Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Bryler. Uh, I tried to play I tried to play Coach Harbaugh's sound bite there. Maybe I'll do it again when the music's well, off. I, I can tell you that the cockles of my heart are on fire after that. Michigan is two and oh. Yeah. Cockles are warm. Hot cockles. And, and we're we're excited, man. We've got I, it's official. Blake Corum is officially a regular on our live stream and podcast now. He keeps winning Player of the Week awards, and now he's the Big Ten Player of the Week. He's on some watch lists. He comes off the big game. Uh, I mean, he's paying rent in the end zone. He's going there so often. I know Blake's a humble guy, but uh, Blake, I mean, you you gotta feel you gotta feel pretty good about what you're doing through two weeks of this season. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been crazy. It's been good. It's been fun, and I was just I wanted to keep going. Well, Chris is about to make you feel awkward here by running down all these uh, all these stats and achievements and everything you've been doing. I know before we went live, you showed the the posters back there, the Player of the Week, two in a row for Michigan, yeah. and like I said, Big Ten Player of the Week. So, Chris, you know, lay him on him, man. I'm I'm sure he's heard some, but maybe there's some in there he hasn't heard yet. Yeah, maybe there's something in here you haven't heard, but obviously it's been a solid two weeks for you. And I'm just going to kind of run through you know the list of some of the things that I saw that really stood out to me. So. You know, obviously the, the 171 yards on Saturday was a career high for you. You added three touchdowns, averaged 8.1 yards a carry on 21 carries, had 11 yards receiving. Um, what's interesting is that in two games, the 282 yards on 35 carries is the most yards in a two game span that anybody's put together since Denard Robinson in 2010. So I don't know if you were aware of that, but that was a pretty cool stat all in total. You've got 443 all purpose yards for five touchdowns through two games. And the really cool thing was, you know, you and Hassan were, were tearing it up all evening. Um, and you guys became just the, uh, you guys both had 150 yards rushing, two running backs with 150 yards rushing in the same game. It's only the third time that's happened in Michigan football history. So, man, it was an impressive evening for you guys. And before we get into, like, you know, the actual game itself, I got to ask you, the environment. It looked good from where we were at up in the press box. I saw when you came out of the tunnel before the game, you ran straight over to the student section. You were getting everybody hype. Just tell us a little bit about what that environment was like Saturday night. It was electric. Uh, it was loud, loudest stadium I've ever been in. Um, it was amazing. I was just like, I want that to happen every Saturday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I mean, I was assuming it would take the top spot, but is it safe to say that that is far and away the, uh, the most electric environment you've ever played football in? Yeah, definitely the most electric uh, environment I've ever played football in. Um, you know, on my visits when I was in high school, I've been to some pretty loud stadiums and I tell you what, after that uh that first play, that that delayed game, that might have beat that did beat all the stadiums I've ever been in. It was loud. It's impressive, man. Yeah, it was I mean, it looked awesome. I mean, everybody showed up. I mean, they've they've done the maze out before, but this one was by far the most this successful. This one was different, you, yeah. Yeah, you couple that with the night game, you couple that with the September eleventh stuff, the halftime, the pregame. It just had a it had a it had a it had a vibe, it had a buzz all night long. And I'm wondering, you mentioned it. I mean 
the first play of the game, Washington gets a penalty. Um, Coach Harbaugh mentioned today, like kicking down towards the student section is now like a no brainer. I mean, I don't know if wind will ever be a factor again when the student section sounds like that. And then you guys come out and do whatever you want. I mean, I just have to imagine you, you mentioned the atmosphere, the electricity, but then your own success and what you were able to do, you almost had to feel like a superhero out there at that point, the way you guys were getting what you were getting and the way it felt in there. Yeah, man. Like, like I said, man, it, it was a crazy, it was a crazy experience. Um, and I don't know if you heard any of the other interviews I did after the game or not, but um, there was a linebacker on the other team previously that week that said uh, we weren't going to run on them. So, uh, that young man's name was Jackson Sermon. I have it written down right here. But yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I don't know his name. I don't. I don't know his name. Now nah, that you told me, I know his name. But uh, we ran that thing on him. And yeah. uh, it was a good day. It was electric. The student section, man, shout out to them. Yeah. And, uh, they they really brought it. All the fans brought it. Uh, it was a great night. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, so I feel like, um, you know, you talk about the type of game that you had. And I'm just curious, you know, you mentioned it, that there was some talk leading up to the game about what they were going to do against, you know, your run, your rushing attack. And I'm curious, you know, we're, we're sitting up in the press box and you could kind of see it on social media and fans were saying, you know, why aren't they, why aren't they passing the ball? Like we know we can run it, but why isn't there more of a passing attack? How much of the game plan to just sort of pound it down their throat had to do with some of that, you know, some of that chatter that you guys were hearing before the game. Was it was it a statement? Was there a point you guys were trying to make there? Nah, I wouldn't say there's a there was a statement we were trying to make before the game. Um, you know, we had a game plan. The game plan wasn't to run the ball, you know, it was to do both, but I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it. They couldn't stop the run. And so I mean we just kept pounding and pounding. We could tell they were getting tired at the second quarter. You know, offensive line was coming off the ball firing. They were real physical. Um, you know, me, uh, the tight ends were blocking, the receivers were blocking. And, uh, you know, that made that, that allowed me and H2 to do our thing. And so, um, I mean, if you can't stop it, why why go away from it? And, you know, that's, I saw a couple of posts on, on, on Twitter and, and whatnot, and I just kind of pushed that stuff to the side, like, y'all can't pass the ball. I mean, yes, we can pass the ball. Like, <laughs> we don't have to pass the ball. If the run's working, why not just keep running the ball, you know? Yeah, and, and it, it's hard to argue against that with the numbers that were being put up. I mean, you looked at it, it was just – I think I put it out in an article. It was just like a beating all evening. You kind of wondered when it was going to stop or when they were going to make, you know, adjustments to kind of slow you guys down, and none of the adjustments came. I know that you on social media, um, you gave a lot of credit to the wide receivers and the offensive line. Can you talk a little bit about, you know – how important their play was on Saturday to your production? I mean, their their uh, play uh, was more important than mine. You know, if it wasn't for them, it wouldn't allow me to run for what, 171 yards and it wouldn't allow H2 for, to run for 150, whatever he ran for. Um, you know, they were from the jump, they were physical. They were knocking the guys off the ball, um, allowing me and H2 to see our holes correctly, uh, us to read um, on the perimeter, our tight ends, our receivers, they were uh, – doing their job. And so, I mean, we, we got to give all the credit to them. They made our job easier. Uh, and it, like I said, I mean, it was great. I don't think at this point you're going to be giving any secrets away because it already played out and you just kind of mentioned 
if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's working. We're just going to keep doing it. But you said the plan going into the game wasn't just to run, 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 but that's how it played out. And it didn't play out any better than that. Then after halftime, you come out in that third quarter, eight runs in a row, and you get a touchdown. I mean, that that absolutely kills the defense. I wonder, you, you mentioned it, in the second quarter, you started noticing we're getting what we want. The linemen are blowing people up. We're getting big chunk plays on the ground. Did you know at that point, coming out in the third quarter, that like, I don't know if you knew it was going to be eight in a row, but did you know it was going to be a lot of runs to come right out of halftime and try to send a message and kind of kind of put them away because that's what it felt like. Right, right. So, you know, going into halftime, you know, every team makes corrections. Um, so we corrected the runs that we messed up on in the in the, in the first half. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it was kind of just we're going to keep being physical with those guys. We're going to keep running the ball. They can't stop us. And let, let's see. They stacked the box, still couldn't stop us. <laughs> I mean, we just, we just kept running that thing on them. And, uh, I mean, that, that's what they deserve for talking, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. I find it interesting, too. I wonder, Blake, as the running back, how much you notice. We talked to Trevor Keegan and Andrew Stuber earlier today at the media, and so they're they're obviously very aware of the different things the defensive line is trying to do and probably the linebackers as well. How much do you know as, as the running back, like how much they're switching up their fronts to try to stop the run, and it's just still – it's just not working play after play. How much do you notice how different things look from that defense? From uh, our defense or Washington's defense? From Washington's defense, like how much do you, how much can you tell how much they're switching up, trying to find something, yeah, something I mean, that's gonna work? Coming out, and you know the the first half, they kind of stuck to what we thought they would stick to, um, but then you know after halftime, they they didn't know what to do, so they were bringing blitzes from everywhere. They were trying to stop it. Um, like I said, they stacked the box. Um, they would try to rotate the D lineman, switch at the last minute, move them. And uh, like I said, the, the old line wasn't playing no games with them boys. They didn't matter. At the end of the day, our uh, it still remained the same for what we wanted to get done. And so them bringing all those different types of uh, things after halftime, uh, we stuck to the game plan and just uh, accomplished, you know, the goal, which was the win. Yeah, Coach Harbaugh. I don't, Chris, did you hear Coach Harbaugh's comment today? He said some go by land, some go by – some go by air. Some go by air. <laughs> we decided to go by land. Mission accomplished. I mean, yeah, you Mission can't put it any, can't put it any simpler than that. Mission accomplished. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, Blake, I you know you bounce. I don't know what quarter it was in, but you bounce to the outside. I think you I think you go to the right side of the field, and you attempt to jump over a player. <laughs> and I see the this thing coming. I see it on the replay. I mean, what's going through your mind in that split second where you think that that defender is going to go low and they meet you up top? Like what, what happens in your head at that point? Uh, so, I mean, all game I was getting them something. So whether some parts of the game I ran, you know, ran through a couple guys, other parts of the game I hit them with a couple juke moves. I caught the ball. I'm like, you know, they were going low too. Uh, like the safeties and whatnot. And I know, I think he was a linebacker. He's kind of tall. And I'm like, this guy's going to go low at the last minute. I know he is, right? <laughs> it didn't end up happening like that. But I thought in my mind, like, I'm about to jump this dude. So I leap. And I, I know when I'm in the game, I, I jump higher than I do out of game. So uh, <laughs> I knew uh, I was going to jump him. I ended up jumping 43, which was that dude we was talking about. <laughs> Uh, I didn't. I didn't even see him until I looked back at the picture uh, someone uh, took. 
I ended up jumping over him, but I didn't see him. But uh, you know, I didn't get the, I didn't clear twenty one. But uh, we got the first down because he wanted to talk after that. But um, oh yeah, that's right. I forget about yeah. Okay, Blake, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because somebody in the comments right here, what did the Washington safety say? When you were getting up, that got him that on sports. Like, if you have to censor it, that's okay. But I'm sure he was jawing a little bit for whatever reason. Yeah, he asked me if I was effing crazy. <laughs> there you go. I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> it got a quick 15. Got a quick 15. That's so funny. I wonder, too, while we're on this topic, obviously it's kind of funny to talk about now because you got a, you had a huge game, got the win. Does Does Coach Hart – does he get? Does he? Does he give you anything like Blake? What What are you doing on the jump, man? Because look, Mike Hart was a lot of things. Uh, a jumper, I don't think he was, and I just yeah. wonder if he if he had a discussion with you about that. So Coach Hart doesn't really understand the purpose of jumping. Wait, <laughs> Most of the time, when someone jumps someone, they're not going to go far after they jump someone unless it's wide open. Yeah. Wow. But it's, I can't just, it's all about the poster, right? You're just trying to posterize somebody. You want you're going for that photo, right? That shot. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But uh, I came to the sideline. He said, "What were you thinking, trying to jump over two people?" <laughs> I said, "Coach, I thought it was only one. I didn't realize there was two people I was trying to jump over." Uh, that is so funny, man. But yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering, like, you know, as fans, we're, you know. Michigan fans are trying to like temper their expectations because they've sort of seen this movie before, right? Michigan starts out hot and then you get into the meat of the schedule and sometimes the wheels kind of come off. But, you know, after this last weekend in particular, looking around at the Big Ten, it seems like there is a like the door hasn't been open very often, but it seems like the door might be cracked for somebody to sort of step in and take over in the Big Ten East. And I'm just wondering, do you guys like what is the sense inside the locker room of just how far this team can go in 2021? I mean, the sky's the limit. Um, I feel like we can go as far as we want to, but at the same time, we just got to take it game by game, day by day, week by week. Uh, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves, and uh, we just got to keep grinding like we have all offseason, uh, these last two games and each week. Um, I still, I feel like if we stick to the script, we'll be all right. Yeah, and there was a there was a juicy tidbit that came out of the uh, the press conference today where I think it was was it Trevor Keegan? He had said something about it's a nine on seven drill, but the, mm. the name has been changed to the beat Ohio drill. Can you shed any sort of light on that? I, I you know, I, we don't know anything about that, but it sounds interesting. What can you tell us about that? I'm gonna keep that one to myself, but uh, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good drill. I'm, gonna keep that one. I'm gonna keep that one in though. Coach Fair Harbaugh, enough. he he explained a little bit. I mean, he didn't get into the details of like, you know, who's doing what on the drill or the actual like setup. But you know, it's a he said it's a it's an interior running drill. It's nine on seven. There's music going. It's very competitive, and smelling people salts. have it's yeah, smelling salts, and people have really embraced it. I guess without if you, if you want to keep some of it to yourself, how how competitive does that that sec that section of practice get? It gets competitive. It gets competitive. It's lit. Um, it's loud and uh, it's a good drill. It's yeah. a good drill. We'll I was going to say, as a running back, you, I'm guessing you guys are taking a lot of hits on that drill. Yeah, yeah, you know, but we're smart about it. Okay, we're smart about it. We take a couple licks, but uh, but we're smart. We're smart about how we practice and uh, the way we approach the game. I wanted to throw this comment up real too. We had 
we had Blake throw up the cheetah, throw up the deuce on the way in. <laughs> when you do that, is that premeditated? I mean, are you thinking like, all right, if I had to bust a long one, I'm going to do it? Or do you think of it in like the last 20 yards on, on your way into the end zone? You know, that's part of uh, my logo. So, uh, yeah, that's know. true. The deuce is loose. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's part of my logo. Let me see what I got. I think I had a shirt. Let me see. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the, yeah, right there. But yep. um, okay, okay. But you know, I I was open and uh, I knew the safety wasn't going to catch me. Once I turned the corner, I looked up at I looked up at the jumbotron, and I saw no one was behind me. I was like, why not? <laughs> uh, I threw it up. Uh, I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna. Yeah. yeah. Was there was there a chat about that maybe too, or is that? Yeah. There was a chat about it, you know, because it could have been bad. <laughs> It could have yeah. been bad. Could have got called back, but um, you know, you learn from your mistakes. But uh, I'm not gonna do it again. But it it, it was cool for the moment. Hey, that is you, you just said it. That's your number. It's part of your logo. It's a huge moment. That that environment. That game. You you can't be held accountable for that. I mean, that's I, I would hope whoever I would hope whichever coach chatted with you about it understood. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it was uh like you said you didn't like plan it. You were just there. Happened. Whatever. It's it's done right, and over. Right. But. No, um, sure. you you you've now real like i said you've reeled in a couple of these players of the week uh, now being recognized by the big 10 i mentioned it at the beginning i know you're a humble guy but you're having a lot of success i think your your name's starting to become kind of a national name a little bit i mean we talked we joked last week about how how hunter dickinson saying you're you're college reggie bush and stuff like that i just wonder you know you, you've talked about your work ethic and how important all of that is to you like how are you finding this balance? And I mean, at the end of the day, man, you are a kid playing football in college. It's got to be one of the coolest things ever to get some notoriety and, and be having the success that you're having. Yeah, no, nah, for sure. It's, it's, all, it's definitely cool uh, seeing what hard work pay off. But, uh, you know, I got a long way to go. You know, so I'm just going to stick to the script. I'm going to stick to everything that I've done to get me here and put me in this type of situation. And uh, I'm just going to keep my head down and, and, and keep pushing, um, you know, keep keep being the leader that I am, keep pushing my teammates and uh, just keep balling. You know, that's all I really can do. And, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to get big headed and remain humble. Um, and just Is it hard? Is it hard, though, a little bit? Hard to remain. Nah, just because I feel like the way I was raised, the, the way my parents yeah. raised me. Uh, I'm just a humble guy. Like not that I don't let that stuff get to me, cause uh, you know, God gift me, gifted me with this gift, and I'm just using it. So re I'm gonna remain humble. Um, and just you know, everything's gonna fall into place. So I'm just gonna, like I said, I'm gonna do what I did to get here, and just keep working, man. <laughs> Blake's winning some. Uh, he already has won a lot of people over in the Michigan fan base, but this comment's real funny right here. We've got Blake Corum for president. Someday. <laughs> Everybody's talking about how humble he is and the hard work and everything. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I am. Uh, so I am curious a little bit because you come off of such a electric Thank game you, like huh? Washington <laughs> and the environment is so electric. How do you guys avoid a letdown performance the following week. I think it's an afternoon kickoff. You've got NIU coming in. Obviously there's not a lot of hype surrounding this game, but you got to still take care of business. If you want to reach your goals, how do you guys keep each other up for a game? Like what you have coming up this weekend? Mindset. I mean, you just got to check your mindset. 
if you're the dog you say you uh, you say you are and you're going to want to you know kill everything in front of you no matter how big little it doesn't matter you know we're going to go in the game with the same mindset uh, we want to win and not win by a little but win by a lot and uh, just take it to them boys and uh, just do our thing i mean at the end of the day it's football you know we just got to play who's in front of us we can't we didn't we didn't pick a schedule we didn't pick who's on the team we're just going to ball out and, and do us. Blake, we, as I mentioned, we talked to Trevor Keegan, Andrew Stuber today at media availability, and they, they obviously love the game plan on Saturday. Lyman love to run block and just put their face right. on somebody and go forward. Uh, and you, you've given a, a lot of praise to them, the tight ends, the wide receivers, everybody blocking for you and kind of paving the way. Do you get a chance to do that at all during the game? Or is that just not even on the radar? I mean, do you, how often are you, mixing in with the other position groups when you guys are on the sidelines and just saying, Hey, I saw this or, Hey, do this a little different. Or what's that communication like on the sideline? Yeah, I mean, uh, every, every time we come off the field, whether we score, whether we at the punt field goal, we always come to the sideline and, you know, there's always stuff to fix. Um, Hey, what are you seeing out there? What are you seeing? And then, you know, I always talk to my old line, Hey, keep it up. Y'all doing a hell of a job. Um, just keep going. I'm gonna follow y'all. You know, I got y'all's back. Do y'all got mine? Stuff like that. Like, you know, just making sure we got each other, make sure we we seeing the same thing, um, make sure we're on the same page. And then, you know, sometimes you got to talk to your defense too. Hey, y'all y'all keep it up. Y'all doing your thing. Just like small stuff. And, uh, but yeah, we, we talk to each other on and off the field for sure. There's another 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 family member in here. We're going to show some love for the Colum family when they <laughs> pop in here. What's up, Mama? <laughs> Lots of support for Blake after two big weeks. Yeah, it's you gotta love to see it, man. You'd like to see yeah. that over there. Yeah. yeah Were there any other fan questions out there? Yeah, there's a few. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of comments. So if you want, ask him, if you got one more, Chris, ask something while I'm kind of searching through all these because there's a bunch. There's a bunch. I got, I, okay, I got a question for you. So we heard a lot about, you know, we spent all off season hearing about culture and energy and how something just felt different within Schembechler Hall. Um, and and from the outside looking in, when we see you guys down on the field, like we can see that something feels different or something looks different with the way you guys interact with each other on the sideline, with how things look on the field, how much of that energy, that chemistry, that brotherhood is playing a part in the success that we've seen so far early in this year? How much of that carries over into the field? You know, I think all of it carries over onto the field. You know, as last year, you could see like, it was like an energy vampire was sucking the blood out of, the energy out of all of us, you know? But uh, now that you can see, you know, we changed our mindset, we changed our approach, and uh, we changed the way uh, we approach everything that we do. And uh, now y'all can see it on the field. You know, we're celebrating. Uh, we're lifting each other up. We want everyone to win. Uh, no one's being selfish. We're dancing on the sideline. You know, we're getting involved. The fans are back. That's 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 a big that's a big part. You know, we're getting involved with them, telling them to get up, let's go. Um, so all of that plays a role, but you know the character. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a big part in uh, building the team. You know, uh, that's a, that's a building block that you need to have a, a successful team. And I feel like our character uh, right now and, and the way we approach everything is good. I found a good one here. Actually, this is as someone who used to spend all my time covering recruiting when I was with rivals and the Wolverine.com and Blake just 
can't mention any names here, obviously, if when you're talking about recruiting, don't want you to get in trouble for anything like that. But it was a huge recruiting weekend. There were tons of guys there. Do you do you have obligations, you specifically, like with the recruits after the game? I mean, you come off a big win. I know it's late. It's a late night uh, with a with an eight o'clock kickoff. But do you have are you spending time with the recruits? So did you host anybody? Did the coaches say, hey, we want you to talk to this guy or spend time with this guy again? Don't don't say anybody's names, but just kind of give a general overview of what you do on a big visit weekend like that. You know, a big visit weekend, uh, you know, I got to remain focused, first of all. You know, we got to uh, make sure we get that W. But in the meantime, all of that, you know, I, I talked to the guys, hey, this is the place you want to be. But no no coach, no one, uh, I didn't host anyone this weekend. I've hosted uh, some in the summer. But uh, they didn't They didn't ask me to host anyone. Uh, but I definitely talked to the guys, you know, tell them, hey, things are changing here, you know. I think this is the only place you want to be, you know, just recruiting them, telling them what the, the pros about uh, being a Wolverine, being a Michigan man. And, um, but yeah, hope that answers the question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think so. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, there's, they, they host you, they, they pair you up with guys, right, based on sometimes if you're from the same area or, you know, if Michigan had a big running back in, they might put you with him. Yeah. So that just kind of depends on the list and who's there and who spent it, you know, who the coaches think is going to get along with who. Um, we kind of addressed this a little bit. And, you know, Blake, I, I know, you, you know, none of the players on the team are ever going to throw anybody else under the bus or say that there's a general concern. But I think this is something a lot of people are wondering about. It was the running game was so so good against Washington that there was no need to air it out and try to do those things. But how confident are you guys in in Cade as a thrower in the receivers? You know, getting open without Ronnie, especially like what you know maybe in practice. Like, what's the balance between focusing on the run and the pass? Like, how does all that feel inside when you think about? All right, man. Maybe sometime we're we're down by ten and we need to air this thing out. Like, how do you feel about that part of the game? I mean, my man Jake. I mean, I feel comfortable. I got we can throw that thing. I promise. Um, like I said earlier in the interview, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And Washington, yeah. Washington couldn't stop the run, so we continue to run. I don't have no worries. Uh, I believe in all my receivers; they get open. I believe in Cade; he can sling that thing. And uh, you know, we're versatile. We're a versatile team. You know, we we practice uh, running the ball. We practice throwing the ball. Um, so I don't I don't have any worries. You know, I feel like a lot of people are worrying about y'all don't got a pass game. We do, I promise. We do. Like, don't don't worry, we're good. <laughs> well, sp- speaking of the passing game, I mean we saw Ronnie Bell, you know, out on the field, uh, getting yeah. um cheers from the crowd. We saw him down on the sideline kind of talking to the wide receiver group. Can you give us a little bit of insight? as to, you know, how his role has changed now that he's injured, you know, what, what is he doing within Shem Beckler Hall? What type of impact or how is he having an impact on you guys now? Yeah. He, Ronnie's still t- stay, uh, taking the same approach. He's just not on the, uh, playing physically on the field, but he's there, you know, he's still studying the game. He's still helping us, uh, game plan. He's still there every day. He's still a captain. He's still a leader. Um, like, like I said before, uh, I think last week I said like Ronnie, He's a, he's a competitor. Um, and so, I mean, he, he's still doing this thing and uh, helping helping the team. Speak, 
Speaking of Ronnie, saw him walking way down State Street today. I'm like, th I'm thinking, can anybody give the man a ride? He's walking out here on crutches, all like way down the road from Schenbeck. I'm sure, he, I don't know, he probably had class. He was going to get some food or something. But he was probably going to, going to class or something. He was, he was all by himself, hustling across the street with them crutches. I'm thinking, man, poor Ronnie. <laughs> left, somebody left him hanging out here. I think this is an interesting question too. Not, not a, not a deep dive question, but. How are you feeling the all blues? How are you feeling the all blue uniforms on Saturday night? Y'all tell me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they look sharp from where we're Y'all tell me. Sure. Y'all yeah. tell me what y'all thought. But uh, nah, I think they look y'all. They look good to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, very I like clean. The, I like the all blue. Like you said, it looked clean. Uh, look like we was ready to go to war. I mean, I don't know. I, I like the all blue. I, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I know they, I know Adidas did a, a version of the all blues a handful of years back, but they had some weird number stripes going on. This was just simple, yeah. clean. I had it, 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 it went good with the maze out, you know, it, it did. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I had several people. I don't know how this works. I mean, Chris, you and I are both artistic guys. Maybe there's something to this, but I had a lot of people say they look faster in all blue. Like how, <laughs> how is it they possible do, yeah. that you could look faster in a different color? But I, you know, I mean, Blake, Blake certainly got, has a little, he has, he's got some wheels. I think Blake, you know, picks <laughs> them up and puts them down pretty good. Did you yeah, feel faster about. in all blue or what, or do, you know, was it, was it just a product of the running game? I always feel fast, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, nah, I didn't, I didn't feel fast or anything. I feel like I, <laughs> I think we look sharp. Uh, we look sharp and uh, we played pretty sharp. You know, there's always stuff to fix at the end of the day, but as a team, you know, we look sharp. We play sharp. Well, Chris touched on this a little bit. Blake, we'll get you out of here in the next minute or two. Um, the the game coming up against NIU, and I, I know you guys don't try to look too far on down the road, but there's a really good chance that this team starts off a pretty smooth 4-0. I mean, when you look at the schedule, four home games in a row, beatable opponents, um, you know, what that means for, for a ranking and how much any of that really matters though. But again, coming back to the, the culture and coming back to the mindset coming to this game, I just wonder how, how much, how much more confidence these wins and wins like this are giving you, especially you, the, you know, the fellow running backs, the offensive line, when you're able to kind of do whatever you want for the first two games. And again, not disrespecting NIU, but you guys are going to, you're, you're going to be a big favorite in that one. I expect to have another pretty successful day for you running backs, especially just how are you guys feeling kind of looking at this, this first four home games to start 2021? You know, I, I, we're feeling good. Uh, we're confident. Um, you know, we're, we're motivated, you know, we're remaining humble, like I said, and because uh, we really haven't done anything yet. You know, the season just started. But uh, going into this game, um, we're going, like I said, we're going to approach it like we did Washington, approach it like we did Western Michigan. And, uh, you know, just stick to the script and uh, not get too far ahead of ourselves and just, just ball out, ball out, um, keep putting on for uh, the alumni that went here and stayed in Michigan, all the Michigan fans. And, uh, yeah, that's it. There you have it. Blake Corum. He's a regular. I don't know. Should we we should probably just pencil him into the schedule for next week too? Because <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe two hundred, maybe two hundred rushing yards is in the cards for Blake this week. I'm sure he's gonna go out and try to get that. Hell of a absolutely. start. Absolutely. Start, Blake, yeah. thanks so much for the time again, man. Best of luck. Continue to stay healthy. Continue to get after it. And shout out to the whole the whole Corum family who's ever in here. <laughs> the whole the whole gang in here giving their uh, giving their guys some support. Blake, thanks again so much, man. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, I appreciate you. All right, take care.
there you go. Blake Corum, like I said, becoming a regular for a good reason. Um, well, I'm gonna, we're, it's going to come up in our little question section. So I think we can, uh, I think we can start to kind of move into that a little bit. Okay. We'll talk a little bit more about Blake and some of the running backs and just the whole big picture. Some of the stuff we would have talked about on Saturday, we had a little technical difficulties. We're back at it today. Feel yeah. good about that. Um, but let's, let's talk about some of the things we thought we would see in the game that we didn't, why we didn't actually, these are my specific predictions. I went a, uh, I went a slim one for five on, uh, on my Ooh. predictions. Chilly. Uh, yeah. A little chilly, little chilly. And, the score predictions, though, we were actually both pretty close. I predicted 31 to 21. So Michigan w- was in that wheelhouse, and Washington was a little little worse than that. And you said 34-17. So both of us were kind of in that same wheelhouse, I guess, looking back on it now. Michigan wins 31 to 10, gets a three-touchdown win, and barely had to throw the ball. I guess, you know, first – not first thoughts because it's a couple days later now at this point. Yeah. But thoughts on that since we didn't really get to break it down on Saturday? I'm not throwing the ball. Just in general, 31, 20, general. or 31 yeah. to 10, you know, winning by 21 points. The spread was a hell of a lot closer than that. Our scores were yeah. in the ballpark, but, you know, Michigan Michigan pretty much did whatever they wanted, kept Washington down and did whatever they wanted on offense. Yeah, we were talking about it a little bit when we when we were walking out of the press box, and, and I remember saying, like, I don't know. I just – I still walk away from the game, like – not sure like if this Michigan team is for real or not, because I'm not sure what Washington is, right? We saw what they did in week one and we're not sure. So now is Washington just that bad to where, you know, Michigan can just say, we're not even going to try to pass. We're just going to keep running until you prove you Mm. can stop it. You know, so, so I am, I'm curious. I want to see Cade McNamara. I said this last week, I want to see him in a situation where, he has to move the ball down the field. And one of the things I know that, you know, a lot of fans were upset about the lack of a passing game and, and you and I were having the conversation as well. We kind of thought felt the same way, but you know, they were clearly able to move the ball at will. Washington was not going to be able to stop them. And so for me, I wish there would have come a point in the game where, you know, everybody got together and said, okay, we know they can't stop that. We feel good. We're in control of this thing. Let's see what we can do, you know, through the air. Let's, let's get Cade in some of those situations and see, you know, what he's made of. Let's see if he can stretch the ball down the field and let's kind of put some of that on his shoulders in a game where you've got a comfortable lead. Um, but you know, they kept hammering the rock and, and like you said, it's really hard to be upset with that. And just like Blake said, if they can't stop it, you know, why go away from it? But as a fan from the outside looking in, you know, you say to your, you can't help but say to yourself, okay, but what is that going to do against Penn state, Michigan state? And of course, Ohio state the last week of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. I think you asked it in a, in a interesting way when we're sitting in the press box, you kind of leaned over excuse me. And you said, you know, if I said that, uh, you know, Cade McNamara had thrown for 44 yards and only thrown it. Well, I don't remember how many times it was at this point, 14 times or 12 or something like that. And Michigan wins by 21, you know, or what would, what would you think was happening? I'd be like, yeah, Michigan's probably getting blown out. Yeah. And instead they won by 21 points. It's crazy. I just, I can't really remember feeling this way about a 21 point win. It's just, it's really, really peculiar. But I think you said you used the word. Um, I don't, was it worried? You just said it. I mean, your Michigan fans are worried, or they were complaining yeah. about about how it looked. And I, I was a maybe a little guilty of that. But it, I, I just I can't help but feel some 
level of concern. It's not worry. It's not complaining. It's like, well, damn, dude, if the, if the running game is ever not working for eight yards a pop, do they even have the other the other aspect of right. the offense? Cor- Blake Corum says they do. I think you're going to get that answer from a lot of the players. Um, yeah, you know, they feel good about what they're doing. They see stuff work in practice. But, you know, there were times in that game, you know, down in the, inside the five or by the goal line where, you know, it's three runs up the middle and a very, very vanilla basic play with – three tight ends in the game, like no creativity, no, you know, uh, no, no putting the defense in in conflict, no getting your speed out there on the field to really press those guys in that short yardage situation. Then, you know, there's, there's third and long or third and manageable type of plays where they, they don't even, they're not even thinking about letting Cade throw the ball. And it's, I've just always been, I've always been really against, uh, like the not trying to lose or their offense, the other team's offense isn't that good. So we'll, we're fine with giving them the ball back. No, man, forget that. Go put your stand on their neck and kill that other, that other team. Go pick up that first down and keep the ball and put more points on the board. So again, it, it's, it feels really strange to be like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. They won by 21. They're two and zero. Like that was a game I had circled as a potential loss before the season started and it wasn't even close to a loss. Yeah. So I don't know. I find myself going back and forth on that. Obviously you'll take it all day. I mean, you heard yeah. the linemen, you heard the running backs. They, they, they wouldn't have changed a thing about it. I'm not so sure the wide receivers are loving it as much or like the wide receiver recruits in the stands, but you know, that's your coaching to win and they won and they won easy. Yeah. It and, is what and, it is. and I do think there's a lot to what Blake said. He said, you know, we don't have anybody sucking the energy out of this team. We're all getting up for each other. We all want to see each other succeed. And I feel like, you know, on, uh, in in years past where maybe the culture and the camaraderie wasn't as strong as it was, you might have some issues with the wide receivers on a night like that where you just don't get them the ball. But I just think this group is built different. I think those wide receivers get out there. If they know that the rushing attack can't be stopped, then I think they flip that switch and they go downfield and they block and they get physical if they need to. I think that's sort of the makeup of this team. At least that's that's what I can gather from, you know, from some of the stuff we heard in the offseason and some, you know, watching some of the film early in the season. But, you know, when it comes to the concern, I you saw what happened with Ohio State and Oregon, right? Anthony Brown, quarterback for Oregon, had to throw the ball 35 times. 236 yards, two touchdowns, and they still had uh, – They still ran the ball well, yeah. I was going to say, C.J. Verdell went 20 carries for 161 yards, so they ran well, but Anthony Brown had to make plays. If you watch Mm -hmm. that game late in the game, he had to go out and make plays. And so, like I said last week, Ohio State looks vulnerable. They look a little more human this year. I still think they're the best team in the Big Ten, but Michigan just has such a great shot to do something this season that they haven't done under Jim Harbaugh yet. And the passing game is just that one thing that like everything else I feel good about. I feel great about the defense, what we've seen so far. I feel great about the running backs. I love what we've got in the wide receiver room. I just don't know what we have with Cade McNamara yet. And there were even a couple times where we saw him on the screen up in the press box and you and I looked at each other and it's hard to kind of read, you know, you don't want to read too much into it, but on the sidelines, he had a look in his eye, like, he just didn't come off as confident. He looked maybe a little bit rattled. Like, you know, he, he could feel that the moment was big. I don't know. I just don't know what we have with Kate. And, and that makes me a little bit nervous. Michigan. <clears throat> let's get real quiet here. Coach Harbaugh. Do you have a comment? Michigan, your team ran for 345 yards on Saturday. 
definitely warms the cockles of the heart. The it cockles. warms the cockles. It warms the cockles. The cockles. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go kind of quick through this because our burning questions right. is a is a fun segment that we have, and I think we get some good discussion out of there, and it takes a little time. But my five predictions. I'm just gonna say what it was. You kind of talk trash to me for getting it wrong and explain yep. why I was wrong. Sound good? Yeah. First one, A.J. Henning will score another touchdown. He scored in week one. I thought he looked fast and ready. Ronnie Bell goes down. I thought he might get a few more touches. Obviously, they barely threw the ball. What do you think? Uh, you know, I was I was on board with that one. We were in lockstep. Um, was really, really surprised that we didn't see him in special teams returning punts. Uh, you know, all week I was kind of mm-hmm. putting that out there that I thought we were going to see A.J. Henning make a big splash on special teams. We didn't see it, and I think that that's something that's obviously going to be a topic of discussion. But I was right there with you. I expected him to have another big game, and it just didn't turn out that way. I also predicted that Blake Corum would be the starting running back. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't, yeah. but... You know, I, I mean, but the way he's looked, I mean, why not Why not come out of the gate with him? That's kind of where yeah. my thinking was. I mean, Hassan Haskins has been really good too, but uh, maybe I was just a week early. I don't know. Thoughts on that one? Coram starting. I don't think Coram will start. I don't think you'll see him. I mean, unless there's an injury or, or Haskins is banged up, I think that they've kind of figured out what their routine is going to be, and they're going to have Haskins kind of come out and, you know, test the boundaries and sort of, you know, look for the weaknesses and then you send Coram out, you know, sometime on the first drive and, and hopefully he's able to take one to the house. But I think they've kind of settled in on what the rotation is going to be. And like Blake said, when we had him on last time, Mike Hart is totally fine with riding the hot hand. And, and so far Blake and Hassan have both been the hot hand. So hard to complain. Yeah. Well, boy, this one, I sucked balls. Um, <laughs> said Cornelius Johnson would catch five passes. He caught one. Yeah. Blake Corum led the team in catches, I think, with uh, three, three, something like that. Three for 11 so, yards, I think. I just, it was another one of those situations where Ronnie Bell's out. I thought a receiver would step up. I thought Michigan would have to throw it more. I did not think they would be able to run the ball that well against Washington. They did. They barely threw it. That was way off. Well, that's the other thing, right? We talk about Cade McNamara. We don't know what we have with him. But mm-hmm. in the same situation, when you got to get down the field and you got to have a guy that's going to go up and get the ball, who is that going to be? It looks like it, it's Cornelius Johnson. I mean, he fits that mold. He's, you know, from a physical standpoint, he's got everything you would you would want. But we just haven't seen that either. So, yeah. I, you know, obviously Michigan's going Michigan's to handle their business against NIU. It would be really nice to just see – an effort or, or um, an emphasis on the passing game so that, I don't know, it's not like they're trying to put fans at ease out there, but you, I would think you want to know what you have in game and you just don't know yet. That's it. It's not about what the fans are saying or what the media is saying, but live reps is good for right. everybody. Give them live game reps against other teams that you don't know what they're doing and you don't know their tendencies and you don't know how a guy plays. Why wait and, until you know, Madison you know, yeah. that's like, yeah. that's where it's headed. Why wait until you're on the road in Madison, a place where I'm you've been you what, 20 years you're not, to figure you're out not, what you got. You're not getting eight yards a pop against, against the Badgers. No. So no. you're going to have to throw the ball. Um, The next one was more of a, you know, my, my, uh, my affinity for Dax Hill and how good I think he is and all the different things he does. And coupled with the fact that Dylan Morris threw three interceptions against yeah. Montana, I said Dax would get a pick. Uh, he didn't. He had a pass breakup, but he didn't really. He didn't really get that close to picking one off. That's kind of a shot in the dark. We talked about this before. Sacks yeah. and turnovers are really, really hard to predict. It might be more wishful thinking at this point because you and I both want to see Dax get his hands on one and turn into a return man. So I was yeah. off there. Dax did not pick one off. 
Yeah, and, and I, I still feel the same way that I felt last week <laughs> yeah. when we talked about this, that I feel like he's got all the potential in the world. I feel like he is everything we think he is, but we haven't seen it. So yeah. until he goes out and impacts, you know, I, I didn't look at his stat line. So maybe, you know, from a tackle standpoint, he was active and he was, you know, he was doing a lot of things out there. But man, just given the the hype that surrounded his recruitment, I expected that we would see him, you know, not only do more on the defensive side of the ball, but I I figured they would try to implement, you know, his his athleticism maybe on the offensive side of the ball and special teams. I thought we would see, you know, Daxton Hill kind of doing a little bit of everything, almost similar to what we saw with Jabril Peppers, where he's just a tremendous athlete. You use him however you can. And so far we haven't seen him. We are back here on a on a Wednesday. Apologize to everybody who was here on Monday when we had some technical difficulties. We had Blake Coram on with us. Thankfully, we got all the way through everything with him, about 30-plus minutes with him, and then we started to get into some other stuff. And I don't know what my computer was doing, but it just shut off. It just died. Like For those of you who might have a MacBook or whoever ever used one before, when you get to 5% battery, your whole thing just... Nerd alert. Your whole thing just... (laughs) It just goes into like super power save mode. So everything is super slow. It doesn't work right. It gets real laggy. And it was doing that, even though I had it plugged in, then it died completely. I was able to finally get logged back in. The live stream was going for like 12 minutes with neither of us on there. So that's (laughs) awesome. But really, really good stuff from Blake. Uh, His third appearance, like I said, on Monday, he's becoming somewhat of a regular. He keeps killing it. And after doing a little bit of research about Northern Illinois, he might have his best game yet on Saturday. Uh, So we'll talk a little bit about that with an expert on the Northern Illinois Huskies here in just a little bit. Uh, We're going to be joined by a gentleman that writes for, uh, let me double check here, the newspaper so I get the name right. Eddie Carifio is his name, uh, and he writes, he's the sports editor for the Daily Chronicle in DeKalb. So should be good, man. He should have a lot of good stuff. We put up a Know the Enemy piece earlier today, so you can check that out at WolverineDigest.com. It's got three players to watch. It's got a strength and a weakness for the Huskies and also a prediction from uh, a student writer there at their uh, at the Northern Illinois newspaper, um, school newspaper. So pretty good stuff over at WolverineDigest.com. We'll have more good stuff on this live stream from another expert and break down exactly what to expect from the Huskies. So where we left off, though, Chris, we had one more prediction question that we didn't get to. We covered my A.J. Henning scoring a touchdown. Let me see. I'm I'm looking for my sound you effects. You know where here. it is. Blake Corum starting the game. CJ John- Cornelius Johnson catching five balls. Daxton Hill getting a pick. Yeah, I went one for five. Not a great <laughs> outing for me. I did get uh, the last one right, which was that Michigan would cover the six and a half. They not only covered it, they freaking tripled it. Yeah. Um, you know, Michigan typically not awesome against the spread, but dude. Six and a half, everybody was kind of viewing it as eh, maybe it's still, clo- still a close game. Even though Washington looked like crap against Montana, Michigan took them apart. Took them apart. So last question, the way we were doing it before was, you know, whether I got it right or got it wrong, you kind of gave your thoughts on my thoughts. So I thought yeah. Michigan would cover pretty easily. They obviously did. I wonder, you know, if you could kind of rewind back to where you were sitting on Friday, how you were feeling about that. Well, I, I, going back and looking at, even though – even with the performance against Montana, Montana state, right? Um, Montana, just, just straight just, up just Montana. Montana. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So even with the performance against Montana, um, 
I still thought that Washington was going to come in and put up a fight. The loss, mm-hmm. the loss was so improbable, and I said it multiple times that I figured Washington would regroup. They'd come to Ann Arbor angry. We'd see a fist fight, but ultimately, I thought, you know, the the crowd, the maze out, Michigan would just they would find a way to pull it out. And man, it it, it was never close. Like it was never even a game. And and I think it was it was worse than what the score indicates. Um, it was just a complete dominant performance and I was shocked. So I can't remember if I thought that they would cover. Um, I did think it would be a close game. <laughs> blue. These guys get off the, get off the live stream. Blue by 90. Get out of here with your Mr. Bright, Mr. Brightside slap. I sang it with them. Did you hear that? I'm getting what exactly does know, I'm it slap? What does it slap? Puppies? Babies? It's not, I, it's not a slapper. It's not a slap. Good Lord. I mean, if you, I guess if you just got cheated on by your girlfriend and you're crying in your parents' basement, it slaps. You know what? You know what, though? I will say on Saturday, you know, we knew it was coming and they brought it and it was, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Everything about Saturday, top to bottom, what happened in that stadium for me was, was a beautiful sight. Mr. Brightside was a part of that. They had some other things that were going. So I, I think I've softened my edge on it just a little bit. So for me, it's and I don't want to. God, are we really doing this again? It's not about the 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 fact that the well, it's a blue by ninety or, guys. It's not us. It's them. right, or it's not for the players. It's for the fan. Like I, I just it's the song specifically for me. The 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 lyrics, what it's about. I love that the students are into something. Yeah. I just wish it was a doper song. That's all. That's like all killers. I wish. That's okay. Yeah. I don't like. The, I don't like the dude's yeah. voice. Like I said, when you you're you're whining and crying, being a pop punk princess about getting cheated on by your girlfriend, I'm not with that. That's you know what. That's Mr. SD Brightside. Listen, <laughs> these blue by ninety guys, they understand this. That's S D E is what that is. That's S D E all day, and you're never going to convince me otherwise. There well, you go. I'll say this: Mr. Brightside slaps about as hard as Lady in Red, and I think I suggested that maybe we should start playing that in the stadium. So you're going to have to get out of here with that. I've accepted oh, it, but man. it don't slap. It's not. A it's slap. funny too how angry people got on Twitter. People were like trashing my work, Person. my family. Me. I'm like, bro. I just don't like the song. Can we just relax right. a little bit? There's a lot of music out there. Some I like, some I don't. That's one I don't. It's not that deep. It's not it's that deep. I wasn't about to leave the stadium because it's being played. I wasn't about to change my fandom or get a new <laughs> career or anything like that. It's just. Maybe you should. Maybe you should. You know, like if I'm driving in the car, there's a bunch of music I would play. That's not one for me. Yeah. You would. I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. Anyway, see what you did. Lord, who is that? Justin? Who is? It's got to be Justin, right? (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. He says, I'm sorry for putting you off the rails already. All right, back, back on the rails. Let's get on the rails. Chris, you know what time it is. I do know what time it is. Burning questions. I need that because it's a little bit chilly. It's a little chilly down here on this fallish fallish day. Yeah. I'm going to go first this week. I'm going to go first. You know what was so cool? I wish I could remember who it was, but when we had our technical difficulties on Monday and we had to, we had to leave early and it was getting late. We just said, ah, we'll just combine it with Wednesday. We'll come back. Not a big deal. Somebody actually was like, no, I want burning questions. That made me that that warmed the cockles that warmed the cockles of the heart right there. That somebody that somebody wanted this. Wanted this segment and needed it in their life. Gotta have it. All right, here we go. First question, Chris. Does, flat out, 
flat out, does Jim Harbaugh have confidence in Cade McNamara? Oh, I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know. I, I don't think it's clear one way or another. We heard a lot of stuff about Cade McNamara during the offseason and making everybody around him better and being a true leader and, you know, all the things you would want in a quarterback. But he, here's the thing. And I know people are uh, there was a big argument about whether or not Michigan passed the ball enough in the first two weeks. You know, I get why they would run the ball as much as they did. But to, to throw the ball, to have that few attempts to where you're like in the bottom of, you know, college football, division one college football, you just can't be there. If you're the university of Michigan, I just put out an article about this. I think they got to spend the next two weeks moving the ball and seeing what they have with K. But as of now, I don't know how to answer that question because he hasn't had to do anything. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I worded it the way I worded it on purpose. I wanted it to be like a thinker. I mean, it's not about like, has he been really good or have you been yeah. impressed with him? Those are easy to answer. I mean, like, I don't know how you could be impressed with what he's done because he hasn't really done anything. So, I mean, I worded it that way on purpose. I think it is a tough question because we heard about, we heard how Jim Harbaugh talked about him. We heard about how all the other players have talked about him. Blake Coromon with us Monday said, don't worry, we can throw that thing. You know, like, yeah. I get it. I hear what, I hear what everybody's saying. The proof's in the pudding, and it has not been there, period. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh said that he was – what word did he use? Solid performance, I think he said. Okay, even if you're you're one of the avid defenders of the approach because Michigan was running the ball so well, which they obviously were, he was still 7 of 15. That's less than 50% for 44 yards. And 33 of those yards came on one completion. So he I was, was going to say 6 of 14 for 11 yards. He was 6 yards of without, 14 yeah. for 11 yards. Like yeah. I don't that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't create any confidence in me. I'm not right. the coach. I'm not there. I'm not seeing it day in and day out. But that stat line, I don't care if they ran for 1000 yards. That stat line is awful. Well, and I, and I think we said it before, Michigan's not going to go, or at least I don't think, I don't think Michigan's going to go into Madison and run the ball 50, 60 times and average eight plus yards a carry. And so if they're not going to be able to do that in Madison, they've got to find out what they have in the passing game now. So right now, yeah, that's a hard question because I don't know if Jim does. We haven't seen any evidence of that through the first two weeks. There you go. What you got for me, Chris? All right, Brandon. Is it too early to call Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald an upgrade over Don Brown? Mm, that is a good question. That is that is a burning question. Barely. I think barely. I, I, I'm very, very encouraged by what I'm seeing. I still think they were just way better than Western, and it turns out they were way better than Washington, too. They, like... What Washington was doing on defense was some of the easiest, or I'm sorry, on offense was some of the easiest stuff to defend I've ever seen. I mean, there was there was no imagination. It was straight handoffs up, straight handoffs up the middle. They weren't even doing the stuff that Michigan was doing with all the runs, you know, with the double pulls and the counters, and you know, getting guys out in space, getting on the edge with a lead blocker. Like they weren't doing any of that stuff. It was ugly offensive football from Washington. So. But I talked about it after week one, the, the the safety blitzes, the using Daxton Hill and Brad Hawkins and R.J. Moten in a lot of unique, interesting ways, trying things that weren't working, going away from it, coming back to it later. Like, that's all really encouraging stuff that we just didn't see out of Don Brown. Um, I, I'm not quite ready to say that just yet, but I think he's been he's been plenty good com- for, for who they've played. 
I'll, I'll put it that way. And, and that's what I was going to follow it up with is that, you know, from, from my standpoint and, and from every Michigan fan standpoint, we've seen this movie before, even when Don Brown was here, that, you know, the Michigan defense looks phenomenal for, you know, seven or eight weeks of the year. It's when they really get up against, you know, those those upper tier top level opponents that the wheels come off. But like you said, we've seen, you know the willingness to make adjustments kind of to switch some things up and put guys in a better position to succeed. And so I'm encouraged by it, but yeah, I think it's too early. You know, we, we probably won't find out until, you know, it's, do you know, Wisconsin's only 17 days away. I know. I know. It's crazy. That's, and that's probably when we'll find out. So. Yeah, I think I think Rutgers will test them a little bit, but that's still another team that just doesn't have as much talent as Michigan. They're better under Greg Schiano, but they're, they're not, they're not ready to, to challenge just yet, I don't think. So I, I agree with you. All right. I want I want a number breakdown here, okay? Okay. You'll understand when I ask the question. What should the breakdown be between Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins and carries? I mean, I'm totally fine if it's 25, 25. I mean, but it, it depends on the opponent. You know, if, if you get into a situation where, you know, you're only going to be carrying the ball 25, maybe 30 times, I want the lion's share of that to go to Blake Corum. So if, if you're carrying the ball 20 times, I want, you know, Corum to get, or 30 times, I want Corum to get 20 of those carries or somewhere well, near that. Let me ask it. I thought maybe it did, my question didn't come through as clearly. Do it like on a hundred, you know, like a hundred scale, like 60. Oh, 40. okay. That, okay. Yeah. What are you thinking there? So, so I'm giving Blake 60. I'm giving, uh, I'm giving Hassan 40 when it's a tight game. And then, you know, when things slow up, I maybe take 5% out of Hassan's 40 and give that to Donovan Edwards or somebody else. But to me, it's 60, 40. I think it might even be a little more than that for me. I've just I've just been so so impressed with Blake Corum, uh, the speed, the vision. I know Hassan is considered the thunder in the package, but Blake is a he's a ball of muscle, dude. He goes forward, he runs people over, he's fearless, he seems to have a nose for the end zone, he can catch it. He's 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 a fantastic running back. And so and, and I, I don't even dislike Hassan Haskins. I just love Blake Corum's game that much. You know that that one play against Washington where that safety came up like he was going to stop him once he got to the third level yeah. and Blake just erased the angle and that safety was like, whoa, I, I didn't know he had that. That's the, that safety was like, I'm going to look like a, I'm going to look like a, uh, I look like a dick on, on, on <laughs> film right there. Everybody's going to dog me out for that. Cause I just look like a clown. He's, he's special, man. I think I'd go like 65, 35. And then kind of like what you said, you know, mix it, you know, mix Donovan in when you can, yeah. it might not even be part of that big picture. It's more like, okay, if they're up, you know, you're up 30, get those other two guys out and just let Donovan go. Yeah. But I'm, Here, I'm leaning, I'm leaning on Blake. Man. Here's really the one am. thing I'll say. I know that Blake Corm and, and even you and I have been in lockstep with this. Blake Corm has gotten the bulk of the attention for how successful the rushing game has gone. And rightfully, I mean, he's had a lot of explosive runs, but Hassan Haskins is also doing his thing out there. He's also putting up yards. And I do think that part of Blake Corum's success is the fact that you can bring in another back like Hassan Haskins, who's a hammer beating up that defensive line, who can go out and get you another hundred yards. You can keep Blake rested. He's not going to get winded out there and then he can come in fresh and, and hit some of those explosive plays. So I think that that quorum success is dependent on Haskins and vice versa. I'm good with the 60 40, but yeah, I, everything we've, we've heard about Blake Corum is uh, seems to be legit. 
it's actually been pretty close to 50 50. i think yeah like first game it was i think 14 to 15 or 14 almost to like it's by design yeah. yeah and then the second game it was pretty similar to that i think wasn't it 21 yeah. and 22 or 21 like and 19? yeah something really close so it's obvious that they're they're and it it's, it's obvious because it's <laughs> Does this make sense? It's obvious because it's obvious. They're both freaking good, so give them both yeah. the ball. But I just I love what Blake Horn's doing, man. I love what he's doing. Hard not to love it. Um, all right, my second question for you, man. Uh, we saw what happened over the weekend with Ohio State and Oregon, and I'm curious. Do you think this is a situation where Ohio State stumbles early, but they eventually settle in and they become, you know, the Ohio State we all expect later on in the year? Or are there some legitimate concerns based on what you've seen so far? Um, can I think? Can I say both? I actually think it's both. Sure. I think that I think they have legitimate concerns. Their defense is porous. C.J. Stroud is not Justin Fields, um, but I do think they're still just insanely talented. And when you start to figure some things out and things settle down a little bit, they're going to be the best team in the Big Ten. Um, you know, losing to Oregon, there's no shame in losing to a team like Oregon. I mean, it was at home. That was a little surprising. Uh, pretty surprising when you looked at the number. You know, Ohio State was favored by 14 and a half, but. I think it's I think it's a combination of both. I think they are they've got some weaknesses. They're not they're not invincible, but I do think they're they're still really really talented and as you as you move through the season some things are going to settle down and they're they're still going to be the class of the conference and you you know all roads are going to go through Columbus to win the Big 10 title, but I, you know, when is that? Can somebody knock them off? Can a couple teams get them? You know, Michigan doesn't play them till the end. So yeah. whatever is going to happen and develop for them is going to happen and develop before Michigan ever plays against them. So it's going to be interesting to watch. But I think it's, you know, you've mentioned this a couple times. They look human or they look moral or they look, you know, whatever it is, whatever word you want to use. But, you know, what, what Oregon was doing wasn't like, you know, wasn't rocket science. They were... They had some creative play calling, but they they ran the ball. They were able to run the ball. They were able to get some quarterback, you know, uh, option type of plays where he could run it or throw it, and that was working. So, I I I kind of cheated on the question, but I think it's both. I think they have some weaknesses, but I still think they're going to be really good, uh, you know, come late November. Yeah, I, it, it's hard because Ohio State is one of those. You'd never want to talk about Ohio State as if they're an underdog or they're a team in trouble. But I said it last week. I said I think I've said it multiple times now that there's just something about them that looks a little more human this year than they've looked in years past. Um, and then there was more of that on Saturday against Oregon. And, you know, based on what we're seeing in the Big Ten, I think that there is a legitimate chance for somebody to, to claim, other than Ohio State, to claim the, claim the Big Ten East. I still think the Buckeyes are the best team in the Big Ten Conference, but there's certainly that door, that door to take the Big Ten East division is it's cracked open a little bit more so than it has been. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, you've been you have been saying that, and it's impressive for any team. I know Oregon's pretty good, and they're they're they obviously you know looked uh, better than most thought. But going into Columbus and beating that team with all those all those stars, I mean, it's 2017 it, hasn't happened since 2017. Yeah, it's uh. It's a it's a hard thing to do. There's no doubt about that. I'm trying to send an email to the the guy that's coming on with us, and it's not cooperating here for me. Um, you? Yeah. Um, anyways, next question for me, and this this is kind of going back to something that you asked. Maybe I should have uh, switched the order of the question here, but that's okay. Go ahead and give Mike McDonald's defense a letter grade through two games. Give him give his report card. Solid B plus. 
Okay. I mean, it, it's looked good. It's looked solid. I haven't really seen glaring issues. They're not forcing as many turnovers, I guess, as, as you would have wanted to see through the first two weeks. But outside of that, I don't really have anything to complain about. I, I, like we just talked about, I go back to the fact that we haven't really seen how the defense performs against some of the top tier teams. But so far through two weeks, I think it's been a solid job. Give them a B plus. That's the same grade I'm, I was I'm thinking. An easy, I'm an easy grader. Maybe, but I think I think you'd be it'd be a hard argument to make to give him anything lower than that. What could you? What bad? Yeah. The I, I think the worst thing you could say so far is it just hasn't been tested, and that's not on him. You know, right. I mean, like Western Michigan wasn't that great, but they did they took away what what we thought might work for them the deep ball and Caleb Ellaby, you know, doing the the RPO stuff and you know some quick hitter type stuff. So I think they did a really good job there, and then Washington. Again, I, they're just they're a lot worse than I thought, but still they were they weren't able to get anything going. Michigan pretty much kept them out of the end zone. So yeah, I think I'd give him a B plus when he gets tested a little bit more, even against Rutgers, but obviously against against Wisconsin, that's going to be the measuring stick at this point. I know we said we said before the season that Washington was a big measuring right. stick, and it just turned out to be a smaller stick. I mean, we're I just we're moving the goalposts now. It feels like that, but I I mean, yeah. when you saw them come out and lose against Montana. And then you saw them in the big house really not be able to do anything on either side of the ball. It's like, well, yeah, all right, they're not they're not really what I thought they were going to be. And you know, you take the win however you can get it. You move to two and zero. You can only play who's on your schedule. So yep. it, you know, it is what it is. But I'm with you. I think I give them about the same thing, about a B plus. It's been pretty Solid damn good start. so far. Solid start. So this was a hot topic. It's been a hot topic over the last couple days. We saw what happened out in USC. Head coach Clay Helton fired. All kinds of noise now about Damani Jackson, Will Johnson, and, and Damani coming to Michigan. And so I'm curious, flat out, does the firing of Clay Helton ultimately bring Damani to Ann Arbor? I'm still going to say no. I'm still going to say no. Okay. I think there is a much, much better chance of it now. But he's still he's still a California kid. He's still he's still right out there. He's still, I'm sure, still watching what's going on with Michigan. Um, you know, they're two and zero. They've looked good, but as we all know and have said so far, let's let's wait a little bit. Let's wait a little bit and see what's really going on. But there is a but here. You could you could not have drawn up a better visit weekend. For, with, with the, the atmosphere of the night game, the big win over a Pac-12 school that he's familiar with out there. You know, people he knows, I'm sure, are on that team or have watched that team. I'm sure they recruited him pretty hard. I don't know exactly the backstory about Washington's efforts with him. But, um, but yeah, no, I I still think he's – I still think he's a, a USC lean. And I think what happens with Dante Williams is the biggest domino to come next. He is – the cornerbacks coach. He's now been named the interim head coach. That's 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 Damani's guy. That's Will Johnson's guy. That's the reason why Will Johnson took the official visit out to USC is because of that coach. And uh, I think I think what happens with him is probably even a bigger deal than what happened with Clay Helton. So I'll I'll wait a little bit. I'm not ready to pull that trigger yet. But you know if there's a if there's a sliding scale, it's certainly moved towards Michigan after this past weekend. There's no doubt about that. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the timeline of events is you, you can't ignore how interesting it is, right? He, he comes to Ann Arbor, the, you know, they're doing a photo shoot with Will Johnson in, in the, you know, the, the sweet alternate uniform setup. Go to the game. It's an incredible environment. Michigan goes out, just hammers the ball. You know, defensively, they look solid. You know, Damani goes back to California and, you know, the guy who he's going to play for gets fired. And so everything just kind of swung for me in Michigan's favor. I think you're right. It's only week two, so we'll see what happens for the rest yeah. of the season. But I do think if Michigan puts together a solid showing this year, I, I'm I would expect to see Damani make the flip. That's it's possible. I mean, he's he's either very, very, very interested in Michigan, or he's just doing a hell of a job in trolling. Yeah, no, he's interested. He's interested. His dad's very interested. I mean, very, very side. interested. Yeah, he's super tight with Will Johnson. As we said, there were pictures floating around of him, you know, palling around with JJ. And I mean, they, yeah, it's real. It's very real. Um, but right now, I'm still saying USC by a little bit, not by a lot, but by a little bit. Uh, all right, I got one pretty specific, but is this the week? Because I actually thought we might see it last week. Is this the week that we see AJ Henning at punt returner? I sure hope so. That is <laughs> yeah. brutal to watch back there. And, you know, you, you think about all of the athletes that they've recruited for this football program. And I'm just blown away that one of those guys out of that group isn't ready to go and take that position over in the absence of Ronnie Bell. So, yeah, I know that Harbaugh said during the press conference that I think it was he said A.J. Henning was close. Um, again, just like a whole host of other things that that are kind of concerning about, you know, the Michigan team this year at punt return, it seems like this is a good if you're going to put somebody out there like A.J. Henning, put him out there against NIU. Don't wait until Madison. Like, you've got two weeks where you can sort of get the kinks out here. And, and yeah, to answer your question, I hope so. I think God, so, I too. So. I think we will. I think we'll see him. I think Jim Harbaugh's comments that he's now said twice about Caden Colsar, how how much how valuable he is and how good he is at the other spots. And then you, yeah, you couple in that he wasn't great back there against yeah. Washington. He, he, he let a punt hit the ground that shouldn't have hit the ground, and he also muffed a punt. I mean, that's, you know, if that's the guy you've got back there, then, then you know, he didn't kill it. So I think if he's so much better at those other spots, he didn't kill it at the other spot, and somebody would be a more dangerous weapon back there yeah. than just, you know, connect all the dots and do the obvious thing. Put Caden Colsar back on punt block and put A.J. Henning back there, who's someone who could take one back to the house. Right. Um, See, that's that's the problem is not only was he not fielding the punt, the, the ball well, but he also isn't a threat to take it deep. And so, you know, at that position, you're sort of, or at, for that play, you're sort of dead in water with the way it is. So, yeah, I would, I would say, you know, Roman Wilson, A.J. Henning, uh, Mike Saber, still whoever, get somebody out there that, that can electrify and, and take one to the house. Yep, I agree. I agree. My turn already? It is. It is. All right, Brandon. You predicted Back to at, the, you, Chris. at the beginning of the year, you predicted seven and five mm -hmm. for the Wolverines. We're two weeks in, they're two and oh. They look pretty good. But I'm curious at this point, is Michigan a legitimate threat to win the Big Ten East? I still don't think so. I still don't think so. I mean, they still have to go on the road at Penn State, at Wisconsin, still have to play Ohio State. Michigan State is a hell of a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Um, I have them at eight and four now because that Washington game was one of the losses I had for them. I mean, after after I saw Washington lose to 
Montana and watched a little bit of their film and broke down some of the stuff they were doing. I, I mean, my prediction last week was 31-21 Michigan, so I shifted I shifted my preseason thoughts after seeing them both play a game. But I, I still I, I still don't know enough about what this team really is top to bottom when they start playing against some better teams. Um, I think they're going to be 4-0 heading to, heading to Madison, though. I think that. And, you know, maybe that's top 20 <laughs> by that point. Are going to get all the way to top 15, top 20 by that point? And then... You know, then we'll really see what's up. You mentioned then, in your Then article. you better get that slurp button ready. I, I told you I was going to be slurping a lot after week two. I don't think I'm slurping as much as I thought I would, but it's yeah. I'm drinking. Well, you mentioned in that article, man, they haven't won in Madison since 2001. 20 yeah. years, bro. That's a, 20 years. It's a Dude, long Some of the players time. on the roster weren't even born. Not alive. When it happened. Not alive. That's insane. Yeah. So that'll, that'll, again, I mean, yeah, shift the goalpost a little bit. Check well, here, the, you know, grab a different measuring stick. Okay, yeah. but it is what it is. Washington's not that good. They're two and zero. They're going to be four and zero probably. And then you got you got the big one at Camp Randall. Here's what I say about that. No, I don't view Michigan as a legitimate threat to win the Big Ten East yet because there's a big component of their game that I haven't seen, which is the passing game. I know that they're going to need that element at some point in the year when they get to the Penn States, the Michigan States, the Ohio State. They're going to need to utilize McNamara's arm, and he's going to need to make the right reads, make the right decisions. He's going to have to move the ball down the field. And, oh, by the way, he's going to have to know who to get the ball to. When he when you're drawing up the play and you got to have – Brandon, let me ask you a question. Side note. Right now, who's Michigan's go-to receiver? They don't have one. They don't have one, right? And and they might think they know who it is, but it hasn't happened on the field because if it, if it had, we would know who that person is. So, again, the next two weeks, man, they have got to focus on the passing game. I know that the rushing game was successful, but they are until they show that they can do both, they're not a legitimate threat to win the Big Ten East. I think my question is in the same vein. All right, I went from very, very specific to is A.J. Henning going to return a punt this week to extremely vague and broad big picture. <laughs> this is, I have it written down this way, so I'm just going to ask it. Let's hear is it. Michigan good? Are they good at football? They're good at football. They got a yeah. lot of really good football players, and I think – I and you'll see, you know, we don't know how what's going to happen with this team, but I can tell you through the first two weeks, it's been an absolute joy to watch them. And it's not just because they've been, you know, kicking ass on the field, but it's the way they interact with each other. It's it's how it's the energy and the aggress. I mean, watch Aiden Hutchinson go make a tackle or watch him get to the quarterback and how just violent those collisions are. Like these guys, this is a damn good football team. And what I said. Speaking of that, remember when he freaking ragdolled the quarterback? Yeah, like like he was a child. Like he was a child. Yeah, I, awesome. I remember looking at you say, and I awesome. said, he he treated him just like a kid. And so, I don't know, man. Yeah, they're, they're pretty damn good, but uh, again, there's still some things we need to see. For sure, for sure. Last one, take us home. All right, are you ready for it? Ready. The rushing game has obviously been out of this world can't really ask for more than what the running backs have done to this point my question to you is how much credit does mike hart deserve for the early success of the running backs that is a good question i mean i think he deserves quite a bit i like how he's using the running backs we knew that it was going to be kind of a two-headed monster with both blake horm and son haskins but i love the fact that he's leaving the hot hand in i mean we saw i 
probably a little more obvious in the first game than the like. It, I just feel like they just kind of traded back and forth, and they ran it so much in the second game against Washington that they they needed you know they needed to come out. You can't you can't carry the you know when they they come out of halftime and you run the ball eight times in a row. You're not going to use one guy to do that. It's going to have to be you know rotate some guys in there, keep them fresh, make sure they're they're able to able to give their all. But there were there were some stretches against Western where it's like God, I hope it's Corum again, and it was like. Some of the things that seem really obvious about using a running back that didn't happen in the last couple of years have happened so far. So I think how you worded that makes me answer it a little different. I mean, like, at the end of the day, the running backs don't have anywhere to go if the line's not doing their job. I think you give us just as much props to throw more as you do to, to Mike Hart. But I, but I love the way – and the linemen themselves, obviously, and the tight ends. Jim Harbaugh has been really complimentary of – a guy like Joe Honigford, the you know, kind of the jumbo tight end at this yeah. point after transitioning from tackle. Eric Gall's not the biggest guy, but he he's he's kind of nasty as a blocker. He will really put his face on somebody. He's he's given a lot of praise to those guys. So speaking the guys of Eric Gall, speaking of Eric Gall, he is tied with Cornelius Johnson as the two leading receivers for Michigan with three receptions each. A monstrous three grabs for two games. Yeah, I was some so to answer your question. I think he deserves quite a bit of the credit. I think it's a it's an attitude thing, it's an approach thing, it's a detail thing, and it's a usage thing. He's making the right decisions. He's using his talented players the right way, and it's working. But it yeah. but you know, running backs will tell they'll tell you. I mean, they you know they're the stars. They're the ones who get all the shine and get to walk into the end zone carrying the ball. But it's those big fellas up front, man. Every running back ever will say that. So I think you got to heap a ton of credit on those guys and Sheryl Moore as well. Yeah, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but I feel like when I watch Blake Corum and Asan Haskins and Donovan Edwards run, to me, it just looks like the Michigan running backs are running harder than I've seen them in years past. Like it's more violent, it's angrier. And I do think that there there's something to be said about the makeup of Mike Hart, who he is mentally, you know, what his background is, all of the things he's accomplished. And to me, I think outside of just utilizing them and making sure that you're putting them in a position to succeed. I think just by who he is, his influence on that group is going a whole hell of a lot towards the success that they've had this season. Yeah, I can get on board with that. And I think it's I think you can give the same exact kind of credit you just gave Mike Mike Hart for his his mental makeup, his DNA, yeah. his approach. It's just in those dudes too. Like we talked yeah. to Blake Corum about the working hard and the you know the grind and the thing that he's all about that. Hassan Haskins, we've heard about it the same way. And I know for a fact that that Donovan Edwards is that way. I covered him in high school and I've heard, you know, every coach and every person that's known that kid since he was in third grade that just talks about how competitive he is and how bad he wants to be great and how important it is for him to work hard and do the right thing. So, I mean, that's part, that's part of, you know, finding guys that fit what you do in the recruiting process and, you know, vetting everything and asking about, all right, like we see him on, we see him on Friday nights. What's he like on Monday through Thursday? And what was he like in 10th grade versus now, you know, all that stuff factors in, and I think they've got three really driven, humble, team-first kind of guys that happen to be pretty damn good at playing the position, and yeah. it's it's working. I mean, it's working at the absolute highest level. So, yeah, I, I think you can give plenty of credit to Mike Hart, and I think it's due. I mean, we talked about it before the season started, how excited we were we were for that hire, and, you know, I think it's – I think it's playing out that way. He seems like the kind of guy you want to play hard for. I mean, just yeah. by being around him, his presence, he's, he, he kind of gives that impression. No doubt about it. We will put or a he'd cap. be up in your ass otherwise. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We will put a cap on burning questions right there.
I think Great that was segment. good, man. Wow. I like yeah. that segment a lot. I really do. I can see why people, you know, why they I got it. people standing out Listen in my yard. They're going crazy, dude. I got people standing out my front yard asking, where's burning questions? Got them out the window right now. Yeah. No, that was good. I'm glad we I'm glad we came back to that. Uh, bummer that it didn't work out on Monday, but we'll make it work. We'll make it fit in right here and no problem. Uh, as I said earlier, we are going to be joined in just a little bit by Eddie Carifio, um, sports editor at the – what I forgot the name of the newspaper again. I'm going to have to pull that up so that way I don't mess it up when he's on here. The Daily Chronicle. I was going to say the Daily Gazette. I didn't think that was right. But based in DeKalb, Illinois, um, so expert on Northern Illinois Hus on the Northern Illinois Huskies, and uh, yeah, we'll get his we'll get his take on what exactly Michigan's going to see. Side note: My sister went to NIU for like a year and a half. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, then she she transferred. But yeah, anyway, so I've been there. I've actually been to DeKalb, um, hung out with her when she was in school. I think I was maybe a senior at the time, three years older than her. But anyway, yeah. we'll hear about what DeKalb. And what NIU and what the Huskies and what Rocky Lombardi are all about uh, in just a little <laughs> bit when he gets on here. I don't know what is what is he all about. I don't know. I don't know why, but the hearing Rocky Lombardi made me laugh. I don't hey. know why. I don't know why he torched us last year. He's kind of funny looking. Look like a um, look like a Heisman hopeful. Kind of funny looking. All right, well, let's. We got a couple random topics here that I threw down just so we could talk until until we are joined by our guest. This made a little bit more sense on Monday to get into these things, but we'll we'll still go through them right now. Um, so on Monday, Michigan jumped into the AP poll. They're number twenty five. Justified? Not justified? Are they better than? Are you? Are there 24 teams in the country better than Michigan right now? I guess that's a, that's an interesting way to discuss it. No, I don't think so. Even with the questions I have with the passing attack, I've seen enough from the defense and, and the rushing game to know that, like I said it before, if the passing game is anywhere within the vicinity of what they're doing from a rushing standpoint, you know, this team's going to be one of the top 15, even, maybe even one of the top 10 teams by the time you get into November. So I certainly think they're they're one of the best 25 teams out there for sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess the way polls work, I was like, that's about where I would have had them. You know, they yeah. were on the outside looking in, but got a couple votes the week before after manhandling Western. A couple teams ahead of them lost. You slide them up a little bit. I mean, it doesn't really matter until the playoff rankings start in week what seven or eight, whenever that is. Um, but it's fun. I mean, it's a talking point. That's how you... That's how you kind of uh, you know put some value on where teams are and what they've done so far and the wins and the losses that they do have. But you know that's enough. It's it's like anything you put anything out there. Like I put the story out, just like Michigan ranked number twenty five. People are like, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> like, all right, dude, right. just relax. Can you just talk about it? Can we talk about it a little bit? It's uh, it's it's one of those feisty things. bunch, I mean, you know. Um, what are you doing to beat Ohio today? What have they been doing for the last ten? You you can't say anything without someone yeah. having an aneurysm or blowing an O ring over. Winning cures all. You got you just they just got to win. They just got to win. Yeah, keep winning. Keep stacking them up. We'll find uh we'll find things to talk about. But I you know I think it's justified. I don't know how you can say like how impressive they were in both of the wins against yes a Mac school and a Washington team. That's nowhere near as good as people thought they were going to be heading into the year. But dude, the way they've been running the ball and neither one of them were a game really. I mean, by the end of it, you know, it's 10, nothing at halftime last week. Uh, but when you win it the way you do and you go out and you run the ball like that and you can literally just 
hey, Washington, we're running through the B gap, and then they just freaking do it for nine yards. That's impressive. Might let, not me just, be let me ask you yes or no. Let me ask you yes or no. Is Michigan better than Miami? I think that one's pretty close, but I would say mm, I think Michigan would have trouble with Miami. I do. I B- think Der- I think Derek King would 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 be a lot to handle, but it's close. BYU. Yes. BYU. North Carolina. Yes. Arkansas. They're better than I thought, but I'd still say yes. I would. Arizona State. Yes. Ole Miss. Coastal Carolina. Iowa State. You, you, so I'm going down the. These are all teams ahead. Ahead of Michigan right I, now. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm looking. I'm just going through the list, and I'm taking. I'm taking Michigan in more than half. I think so, Michigan would have its hands full with Ole Miss and Matt Corral, but that's just. You think so? Do that mother scratcher throws it out of the yard, dude. What a what a matchup that would be. <laughs> that should be fun to watch. Versus, yeah, right. That would be fun to watch. Like I said, it's a. Uh, Running the ball is a massive strength for Michigan at this point and a big weakness for NIU at this point. That just that has disaster written all over it, if you ask me. Yeah. It's well, it's just gonna be too damn tempting. I hope they I you know, I just don't want to see him hammer the ball all afternoon. They yeah. they can do it. Like they know they can do it. NIU knows they can do it. Everybody knows Michigan can run the ball on NIU. Doing it, you know, reeling off 400, 500 yards on the ground isn't going to prove anything going into the meat of the schedule. And so I just kind of go back to I'm going to keep harping on it, man. I I think they've got to put even if it's three or four drives, give Cade and this wide receiver group the same amount of time and energy and effort that that, um, we're giving to the running back room. Right. Let them get their sea legs. Let them develop a rhythm so that by the time they get to Madison in 17 days, They've got some of that going, man. They know who they can hit down the field. Cade's got a little bit of confidence. They need that. I hear you. I agree. I think this is the time you do it. You, you know, there's nothing like live game reps, even if is if it is against the team you bet you're better than. You can't. You, you can try as hard as you want. You can't recreate that in practice. The game day situation is the game day situation for a reason, even if it is against an inferior opponent. So I'm with you. I think you go out there, you try some things, you try to figure out what you've got in your receivers and in your quarterback and in your line. I mean, think about that too. The linemen haven't even had to pass that, but like 20 times in two games. Um, Just a lot of things to try to iron out and work out before you have to take on the Badgers in in Madison. So we'll see how that plays out. We're going to get out of here. We're going to combine this segment that we just did, the burning questions, the talking about Michigan, having Eddie on, we're going to combine all of that with what we did with Blake Corum on Monday, put this into what's going to end up being our longest podcast episode of the of uh, in history so far. And we'll have that out there for the morning for those of you who might not have been able to catch everything on Monday and tonight. So thanks to everybody out there for listening. Apologize for the technical difficulties on Monday. A little bit there with Eddie, but good stuff from him still. And we will be back on Friday. Take care, everyone.